is our week in the Weege. Hello and welcome to Week in the Weege. I'm Colin Stone. And I'm Natalie Crawford. This week in the Weege, two semi-finals and one massive U-turn from the SPFL. Nearly five years on, the fatal accident inquiry into the Clutha helicopter crash gets underway. And a Holyrood consultation into Scotland's dog control laws closes following our Lead the Way campaign. This is a Week in the Weege. Natalie, I don't know about you, but this feels like we are the Society for the Preservation of Mentioning Hamden <laughs> in the news. Like, even for the for the episodes yes. we've, we've recorded, which never saw the light of day, we talked about Hamden, and here we are, We're talking about Hamden. We're just on this endless cycle <laughs> of Hamden news, and I want to get off, I really do. It will never end. Like, it's not just the cup finals, it's the renovation, it's being bought, it's being sold, it's having Scotland games. We will never escape <sighs> this monstrosity in the South Side. I know, and you really don't like it, do you? No, I don't. We've, <laughs> let's not go down that, that path. Let's right. talk about football. No, so, right, this week, what has been the issue with Hamden? Right, okay, so in the, the, the kind of long and short of it is that the SPFL, due to the fact that both Celtic and Rangers are playing in the Europa League on a Thursday, they both have to play then on the Sunday. They can't play yeah. one on the Saturday, one on the Sunday. That's just not fair. So, because apparently it was con- contractually obliged that both games had to be at Hamden, they said, well... If they both have to be at Hamden, they both have to be on a Sunday. Therefore, we're just going to play them on the same day, just a few hours apart. And that obviously did not go down well with anybody. Police, ScotRail, fans, clubs, nobody liked it. And after about a week of saying, nope, we shall not be moved. This is not happening. Suddenly it became actually, uh, yeah, we're going to move one of these games to well, Murrayfield. They didn't really have any choice, did they? The way, the pressure, like you mentioned, like Police Scotland saying, look, this just isn't going to happen. It's never going to work. Fan groups, f- managers getting involved in the politics of the game, which they don't usually do. And it's been a massive oversight on the SPFL's part because they have completely underestimated both Rangers and Celtic because never in a million years did they anticipate that they would both qualify. But it's not, well, yeah, that too. But there's also the the Aberdeen and Hearts fans. Like, Aberdeen were meant to be, the schedule be playing at, at midday in Glasgow on a Sunday. Not to mention you're getting in an hour's drinking before the game. Aberdeen fans are going to have to be getting up at the crack of dawn for this. <laughs> Just so they can squeeze in their drinking. <laughs> Absolutely. But also, the way that this kind of story has unfolded over the last week, you know, you and I have, have dealt with that, and I'm sure we'll hear from Brendan Rodgers in a second. But everybody, everybody has kind of been, you know that way on social media when you write a, a status about somebody, but you don't actually include them in it, but everybody knows it's about them? Yeah. That's kind of been what the police and Scott Rail have been saying about the SPFL. <laughs> Just it's, throwing shade. Just, yeah, essentially it's been like, the transport's not ideal. Scott Rail being like, <laughs> we'll make it work. We don't have services that run this early, but we'll do it. We'll try our best. Thanks, everybody. Yeah, do you feel like maybe we just were kind of feeling pressured into this? Like, how much consultation actually happened before the decision was made? Well, none, by the by the sounds of things. Yeah. The SPFL said they are contractually obliged to play these cup finals at Hamden, and that was the end of it. They couldn't just be like, oh, please, please. oh, no, no, okay, fine, that's, that's it. That's the end of any consultation. Yeah. The answer is no. Well, like you said, that's not happened anymore. There's been this this massive U-turn. And now one of the games that we get played at, at Murrayfield and obviously in Glasgow, that affects Celtic fans. So let's hear what their manager, Brendan Rodgers, had to say about this. When the games were being played, there was always going to be the possibility. So I think I, I just think it's something that maybe could have been anticipated better. And from that, that means planning and, and sitting down and looking at uh, what the, you know, the what if, what may happen, um, and I think if you'd anticipated all of that, then 
maybe wouldn't have been so quick to come out with the first uh, statement in terms of where the games are and what time they're going to be. So I think to then obviously change it, and, and listen, I think changing it is the right thing to do. You know, but, but certainly I'm sure the Federation will go away and have a look at it and think, right, how can we deal with this better? And, and, and certainly dealing with it better would be having more foresight and more forward planning uh, in the, in the what-if scenario. You do it as coaches, you do it as managers, you're always planning and having to plan forward. Uh, and in this situation, this was, a, this was a prime example, you know. We know when the fixtures are, we know when they're being played, we know, and, and if you sit down and look what the eventualities might be, then you, uh, you, know, you can understand that, uh, that there's maybe some organisational and logistical issues that you need to, to work out. Uh, and then from that, it can be much more fluid and, uh, and and fair process. Okay, so Brendan Rogers, there, Colin. What do you make of what he had to say? It's it's a wee bit of kind of throwing your toys out the pram. It's saying, oh, Hearts have the advantage because it's in Edinburgh. It's not. I mean, I know Hearts played there a bit, but the same could be said if the game was still at Hampden because Celtic have played more cup finals than Hearts have. So, okay, fine. You could have said, well, we're going to do a ballot. We're going to draw names out of a hat, and therefore, yeah, you can't really complain there. But at the same time. You were going to be playing at either Hampton or Murrayfield. I don't think just because it's in the same city and Hearts have played there marginally more times than you have gives them a sporting advantage. I just don't. I just don't agree with that. I think just the whole thing has just been so farcical, badly that, managed. Yeah. In terms of a PR disaster, this certainly is up there. Like a- absolutely, it's like they have turned around and went, "Yeah, we've picked Hampton. We're going to stay at Hampton," and then they're just clinging to that so hard. They're like, "Hampton, Hampton, Hampton." <laughs> Do you know? I like, never thought I'd see you shouting the words Hamden. Hamden. I feel like that's all we do a week in the week. <laughs> Let's call it Hamden in the week. Oh, that's a great idea. <laughs> Start a spin-off. <laughs> Daily Hamden update. It's a week in the week. Almost five years since it happened, the first hearing for the fatal accident inquiry into the Clutha helicopter tragedy has taken place. Ten people were killed and 31 were injured when the police helicopter crashed through the roof of the bar in November 2013. Colin, you were at the hearing. What happened? Right, well, for a start, this has been so long coming. Like this, uh, you know, it's it's obviously an absolutely uh, dreadful tragedy, arguably the biggest uh, story, one of the bigger stories in Glasgow over the last 10 years. It's taken almost five years to even get to the stage of a first preliminary hearing. And it was held, ironically, in Hamden uh, on Wednesday. And my goodness, this is going to take forever. And I'm not saying that as kind of like, oh, let's just get get it over and done with. Just the sheer volume of evidence of representation from various uh, firms, businesses, relatives. I mean, even at the preliminary hearing where basically they were just checking was was everybody up to speed. You had you had the engine maker of the helicopter, Safran. You had the Civil Aviation Authority, Ambulance Service, Police Scotland, the AAIB, the European body on aircraft safety. You had relatives, you had everybody was represented. Not to mention the Crown who said they had over 1,000 pieces of evidence and witness statements. Now, I don't know if they're going to read all those out, but that's a hell of a lot of stuff to get through. And so they were asked at the end, how long do you think this is going to take? And they said, our best guess, six months. Now, bear in mind, this is meant to be getting underway in April. For good, there's still two more preliminary hearings to go, one December, one February. 
they're meant to be starting in April at Hamden. Forget about, you know, the Scotland games, the cup finals, the gigs that get played there. This could well go on till 2020. But anyway, on that point, um, you know, these things have taken so long. And even last week, there was fresh information about the state of the helicopter. I asked the owner of the Clutha, Alan Crossan, if he thought this inquiry will provide the answers. I don't know. You can, don't know if you can be confident of these things. You know, there's so many. Every time you look at something, it's Hillsborough or something happened in Birmingham or bombing or this and that. It always seems to take forever to come out. And maybe 20 years later, you get the, the real information. We want this information now. It's simple, simple answers. We don't want any cover. Just tell us the honest truth. That is a really interesting comparison that, that Alan Crossan made there. And he's right. I mean, look at Hillsborough, for example. We only really found out what happened there this year yeah and that was what over 20 years ago yeah so yeah he does make an interesting comparison and god forbid anything is actively being held back here the one thing i would say is that it is slightly concerning that information about the state of the helicopter before pc david trail took it over only came out only came to light about 10 days ago this happened in 2013 why are we finding out crucial pieces of information at this stage, I mean, that's the kind of thing you'd find out, you know, maybe after a few months, maybe within a year, but almost five years later, still these tidbits of information are kind of slowly coming out. And yeah, I mean, you want the answers, you want the truth to come out, you want to know if there was something wrong and could something have been done about it. So what happens now then? Well, there's another preliminary hearing being set for early December. As I say, there is still a lot of kind of legal jargon and mumbo jumbo to get through that I simply just don't understand. Uh, But in terms of kind of the grand scope of things, the main talking point from that first hearing was that they're going to play a flight simulation of the Clutha flight at the FAI once it gets started. They've posted, they've kind of pieced it together from post-crash data and uh, speaking to various people. That, I think, is probably going to be one of the more interesting bits of the FAI, but there is a long, long road ahead. A week in the weeds. After months of campaigning, a public consultation into Scotland's dog control laws closes this Friday, October the 5th. Now, a Holyrood committee agreed to investigate after Clyde News, i.e. our very own Natalie Crawford, <laughs> one woman on a mission, uncovered, uh, uncovered evidence that the current legislation is failing. Natalie, let's just start from the start here, because not everybody in Week in the Weege has been uh, privy to your excellent canine Aww. work here. Uh, what do you mean by f- legislation failing and what's what's your investigation actually found? Okay, so first of all, this started with a freedom of information request to health boards in, in Scotland, specifically NHS Greater Glasgow and Clyde, Lanarkshire and Ayrshire. And those figures came back and what they showed me is that there's hundreds upon hundreds of children every year presenting themselves to accident and emergency departments with dog bite injuries. And I thought, how can that be? How... Why are the figures so high? So we did a little bit of digging and what we found is that there's this piece of legislation called the Dog Control Act and that gave all the powers that the police used to have to control dogs to local authorities and what they're supposed to do is issue dog control notices which are essentially doggy asbos to owners whose dogs have been found to be out of control. Dog Yeah, dog bows. I like that. And they're not doing that So Glasgow City Council, for example, in the last three years have given out no dog control notices. And in fact, they only have one part-time dog control warden who is tasked with enforcing this piece of Holyrood legislation. Right, just just to stop you there. So 
hundred. You mentioned hundreds of children every year across the across Scotland, across Glasgow yeah. and the West. Now if you take in adults, it's into the thousands. Oh, goodness sake! Right, presenting with dog bite injuries, and Glasgow City Council have a part-time dog um, warden who has issued. No. Zero. Zero. Right. Okay, well, that that counts to me as legislation failing. Yeah, in three years. And if you you compare Glasgow City Council to Renfrewshire, for example, that has two-thirds less people, they have two full-time animal control wardens. So basically what we said to, to the Scottish government is, look, this legislation is not working. Something needs to be done here. Local authorities are not following through on what they're supposed to be doing. Now, this legislation was actually brought... Um, about by Alec Neil, who's the former social justice secretary. Mm-hmm. Um, he actually he drafted it and, and brought it into to force. And he came to us and said, I have heard your findings and I agree, this is not working. What can we do about it? So that was about a year ago. And now we're at the stage where a review has been opened, a public consultation, and that, that closes, like you said, on the 5th of October. So so the, the consultation, that's when they ask the public, hey... Tell us what you think. Yeah, so basically what they're looking for is views on the dog control legislation. They'll get gather them all together and they will submit a report to the Scottish Government which will basically suggest what they do about this problem and how they tighten up this failing legislation. All through the course of this investigation, I have spoken to so many families who have been affected by this, children who have been left with devastating injuries. One of those is Amanda Mackey, her son Ian. He was attacked by a dog in air just two weeks ago. I didn't know what to think. I mean, obviously I was angry, I was scared, I was feeling for him. I'm trying not to be upset and obviously his other brothers and sister were in and she's getting upset, like sister was getting upset because she's seen him. And then the next thing, obviously, the dog, how we've got our own dog, the dog came in, he's screaming because it's a dog and now because of that we've had to keep the dog away because he is scared of dogs. He will not go out and play. He was quite an independent little boy and now he will not walk to school on his own. He needs to be dropped off and picked up because he's too scared to go out now because the dog was never found. The owners never came forward and obviously it's got to the stage where he is terrified to go out because he doesn't know where that dog is. So it's hard for me to see what was once an independent nine-year-old turn go into himself and become so shy and quiet again and I don't like that because he's a big bubbly boy and he just that's not him anymore he's just he doesn't do anything he sits in the room and he'll sit with me if he's in from school and that's it he'll play the computer and doesn't go out he used to go out every day after school rain shine snow (laughs) but no he will not even venture out there unless somebody's with him okay so What happens now? Once this consultation closes, what's the next step? So basically, Holyrood's Post-Legislative and Public Scrutiny Committee... Uh, They need to come up with a better name. (laughs) They need to shorten that right down. Um, But basically, that's comprised of seven MSPs and it's it's their job to kind of look at all this different stuff. They'll take all the evidence that we've submitted. We've submitted evidence. I know the Scottish SPCA have submitted evidence. Uh Mums, Dog Trust. And they will look at it all and they will invite the best ones to come and give 
oral evidence. After that, there will be a report to the Scottish Government and the Scottish Government will hopefully bring about change. If the Scottish Government decide they don't want to do that, this committee actually has it in their power to do it themselves. And Alec Neil, who I mentioned before, who's, who's really been driving this at Hollywood... At Hollywood. At Hollywood. At Hollywood. At Hollywood for us, says he would really like to see that happen before 2021, which is the next Scottish Government election. So it is still a long ways down the road, but we are 100% on the right track. So so we are really, this week's Week in the Weege is really kind of decade in the Weege because every single story we've talked about has kind of got a long way. It's got lots of legs left. The wheels of justice take a long time the pause, to turn. The pause of justice. The pause of, oh, wow. How does it feel for you, like, just kind of uh, on a person to person? How do you feel knowing you might actually change the law? It's really overwhelming, but I try not to think about it too much because... <laughs> Really, for, for me, what this has been from the very start is, is getting justice for these children. I am f- sick, fed up of receiving emails from families who telling me that their children have lost a piece of themselves, have lost a part of their childhood, that they're scared to go out and play in a park, yeah. that they're scared to walk themselves to school because they're afraid of dogs, because owners just can't take responsibility for their animals. And I don't want that to happen anymore. And that's really what's driving me forward with this. This is a week in the Weege. Well, that nearly takes us to the end of today's show. Sad times, I know. But before we go, it's time to find out once again how good our Glasgow geography really is as we play Where in the Weege. Yes, every week one of us takes the turn to guess what part of Glasgow in the West the other is talking about based on three clues. If we get get it right on the first clue, it's three points. Second clue, it's two. And third, it's one. There is a running tally and it's Colin being put in the hot seat today. The scores are even Stevens. It's two. Okay, well, I take umbrage with this because the last one you did for me was was bigger. How am I meant to get bigger? I got I started with B, I got kind of a letter, so I should be given credit. My one for you was Gurik, that's easy. Anybody could have got that. Come on. I know. So my clues were really, really, really mean. And it's because I'm a sore loser, okay? okay like I'm not good at losing. But I have I've taken your feedback on board. Right, two, two. Like like all good people do. Yep. And my clues this week are relatively easy. Okay, go so, for it. Colin. This place has a castle. Where am I? I, I? I suppose Inverness doesn't really count, does it? Let's go for Airdrie. No. Ah, okay. Okay, so this clue is a wee bit tougher. Okay. But I mean, I can't hand you this on a plate. It's not... Fine, fair enough. You know, so it's seven miles away from Glasgow Airport and 24 miles away from Presswick. Dumbarton? No. Ah. Okay. Last clue. How am I to... Oh, fine. Okay. Last clue. Yep. It has a really nice park. It's <laughs> not a clue. No, no, but see... <laughs> it, is, it has, has a, a nice park. And a castle, Colin. And the, Come on. Come on, I'm handing you this on a plate. Are you sure it's not just the city of Glasgow? That's not my guess, by the way. It has a nice... How is that a clue? How many places in Glasgow have a castle, Colin? A castle. <laughs> an actual castle. It, I feel really silly. No, I can't. All right. Okay, just, just before we finish. Castle and a nice a, park. A beautiful, award-winning <sighs> park. Goodness sake. There's people screaming. No, there's not. Yes, there is. There's nobody screaming. Yes, there is. Uh, okay, fine. I don't have to give you an answer. Just because it has it in the name, Castle Milk. Oh, Pollock, Colin. Oh, Pollock. God. I told you. Pollock does have a castle. Yes, it does. It's not. Pollock just- Castle. Oh, so it does. 
<laughs> I just thought it was like a nice house or a mansion or something. No, it has an actual... It has Pollock the, House, oh, but it also has a castle. Goodness So sake, we're still Colin. on 2-2. Even Stevens, it is all to play for. Sorry, but it has a nice park. Yeah, like a really, really nice yeah, park. Yeah, but so does Kelvin Grove and so does... Yeah, but Kelvin Grove doesn't have a castle. Come on, just sake. you just think park. And Sorry, yeah, you know what? Your brain springs Pollock Park, like. Yeah, you're right. I sh- I should have got that. I'm very ashamed. I'm very sorry. Two two. Let's move on. Let's not talk about this again. A week in the Weege is a Radio Clyde News production. For the latest around the clock, follow on Twitter at Radio Clyde News. Well, that brings us to the end of today's Week in the Weed. Join us again next time for more of the biggest stories across Glasgow and the West. And don't forget to follow Radio Clyde News on Twitter, subscribe to Week in the Weed on iTunes, and we'll see you next time on Week in the Weed.